Hey, Dee, are you thinking about Christmas plants yet? Uh, kind of. I mean, I keep wanting to wait until after Thanksgiving. What about you? Uh, well, I <laughs> funny thing is I had to write an article for Family Handyman about 14 great Christmas plants. So, yes, they are on my mind. And I did have a... I bet. The Christmas rose is out there blooming. I put a picture on the Instagram. But we're going to talk about some more, aren't we, today? Yes, we are. Shall we get started? We shall. Welcome to the Garden Angelus, where we talk about flowers, veggies, and all the best dirt. I'm Carol Michael from Indianapolis, Indiana, where I have a suburban garden measured in square feet. It's about a third of an acre. And I'm Dean Ash from Guthrie, Oklahoma, where I garden on several acres out in the country. Um, too many. We call ourselves Garden Angelus because we are evangelists for gardening. We love gardening and we want others to love it too. Yes, we do, and we aren't afraid to spill the beans and tell all of our gardening secrets, the good, the bad, and even the ugly, but that's enough of who, what, when, where. Let's move on to this week's episode. Good afternoon, Carol. Good afternoon, Dee, and how are you today? I'm great. I'm great. We had to schedule, reschedule because we had scheduling conflicts in our lives this morning. I had garden club. <laughs> yeah, and I had to go to the doctor and forgot I had to go. It was my yearly exam. So, you want to talk about our gardens? Yes, because before we started um, recording this, you were groaning and moaning like you was 100 years old. That's because <laughs> I oh, I unloaded two and a half ricks of wood yesterday for the fireplace. I did it with Harold, who delivers our wood. Harold is 80 years old, but he's really fit, because <laughs> that's all he does all day, is wood chopping and stuff, so... Anyway, the lumberjack, Harold and I, and Bill, did the wood, and uh, Bill's back isn't too good, so I, I stacked a lot of wood very fast. So that's one thing I did, and I hurt today, but that's okay. What else did you do, Dee? I planted paper white bulbs to bloom, and I also took some cuttings from my cuttings because they grew so much in the greenhouse, and guess What? What? Before the freeze, I found some of the African blue basil that was still alive at the bottom of the plant. And it had, you know, it's African blue basil, so it just sends out shoots like crazy. Right, right. And so I had some fresh shoots, and I put those, I took those cuttings, and um, I put them in the greenhouse, and they're doing okay. So I will have African blue basil next year. That is wonderful. My African blue basil had all rooted uh, six of seven so I took them all out, and they're in six little pots, little four-inch pots growing. And I may, if they get too leggy, I guess I could resort to what you did and take cuttings of the cuttings to kind of keep them short again. So I'll keep that in mind. That's a great idea. You could, you could take them to Garden Club. I do it with a coleus all the time. And this time I did it with, um, oh, you know what? It was Salvia lucantha. Salvia, the Mexican bush sage, had already grown a bunch. And um, also the Mahogany Splendor hibiscus had grown a bunch, so I repotted those. They had outgrown their pots. They'll bloom this winter, which will be nice, too. That will be nice. What's happening in your garden? So we had summer on Thursday, fall on Friday, <laughs> and winter on Saturday. And I, Amen, wrote a blog post this, I wrote a blog post on Sunday um, as though space aliens had landed here and were wondering what in the world is going on. I thought you were kind of like Star Trek. Well, but Star, Trek, Star Trek, Space were Space alien. Aliens. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It, was kind of, it was a fun one. I liked it. Thank you. And so, but the vegetable garden beds are all mulched with leaves. 
except one has a bunch of, uh, or I should say had after the snow, who knows, a whole bunch of peas growing on it and a whole bunch of dill. So I left it for now. I uh, covered all the base of the figs with leaves and I really got that sunroom in order. I cleaned up I'm all the house plants, started more microgreens. And when we talk about our vegetable topic, I am going to clue you in on a secret I learned about growing microgreens that's going to make all the difference in the world. Cool. When you do that, I'm going to tell you where I saw some seed today that could be used for microgreens or sprouts. So that's cool, too. All right. So you were busy in your garden. All my stuff was kind of indoors. Yeah. But, you know, stacking firewood, that's important, too. Yes, because it's snowing in Oklahoma today, which is unusual for November. It's not snowing at my house yet. It's just raining here. But at any moment, it could decide to be ice. So we should do the next quote. We should. It's not the next one. It's the first one. I knew you were going to correct me. Go ahead. (laughs) Don't wait until the fourth Thursday in November to sit with family and friends to give thanks. Make every day a day of Thanksgiving. Charmaine J. Ford. What an excellent piece of advice. That is an excellent piece of advice. Go out to lunch with your friends. Do things with your family. Don't make it just one day a year. Enjoy each other because life is very short, which my doctor reminded me of today at my... That's yeah, that's not what you hear when you hear he from said, a doctor. <laughs> no, for real. He said, he said, oh, wow, you just turned the big 6-0. I said, yes, yes, I did. He goes, he goes, well, you know, before preventative medicine, women lived to be 71.9 years old. And I said, great, thanks for sharing. And then he goes, and now they live to be 79.8. And he goes, men still live to be 71.8. Why do you think that is? And I said, because they don't go to the doctor. But let's move on to Christmas cactus and Thanksgiving cactus and Easter cactus. So we decided to do this topic. We have done it before, and we will include a link to the episode we did called Christmas Cactus, Where Art Thou? Um, <laughs> and I don't know, did I call the episode that? Yes, you did call it that, and I think it's hilarious. And um, it's like, brother, where art thou? I and I think it's our first year, so that should be a really bad episode. But <laughs> I, I'm not sure I'm going to link to it. But anyway, people, this time of year, and I sent you a picture, either right before or right after Halloween, of Thanksgiving mm-hmm. cactus blooming in the store for sale. Right. And so this is a cactus that is Schlumbergiara, Schlumbergiera, Schlumbergeria truncata. God, I should have practiced that botanical name. Schlumbergera. Well, yeah, rolls off your tongue real easy. Uh, But the way you notice this cactus particular type is it has points on the leaves, and the true Christmas cactus does not. But when you're buying them in the store, almost always they say that it's a Christmas cactus. But what you're saying is, it's not really a Christmas cactus. It's a Thanksgiving cactus. Almost always. Almost always. And they have become Uh so blurred that it is really difficult to find what I would consider a true Christmas cactus because most of them are hybrids now. Right, because originally the Christmas cactus was Slumbergera. Brigii, or Slumbergera times Buckleyi, 
And the thing is, is they bloom very similarly. They look like almost the same thing. They just don't have points on the end. That's true. And so you will find these at the grocery store. And here's the other thing interesting. They are both from Brazil, from uh, Mm -hmm. tropical forests of Brazil, where they are epiphytes. So they grow in the debris in the branches of the trees. Yes. They, They will not have a lot of roots. Like orchids. Yes, like orchids, like we talked mm-hmm. about last week. Right. And the other thing that you will note about these is that they, um, I don't know what else you were going to note about these. I don't either, but I'm just going to ask you a question. So I haven't repotted my Thanksgiving cactus for a while, but they're pretty shallow-rooted too, aren't they? They're all shallow-rooted. I mean, when That's you I unroot thought. that thing, unroot that thing, if you were to repot that, you would see that the roots are very small and also, they like to be a bit pot-bound. So this is one, you know, Grandma probably had the same one grown in the same pot for 40 years, she swears. Um, and that's where a lot of people get the older varieties, is they're handed down from Grandma to Mom to Daughter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think they are too. Um, my grandmother had one. I didn't get it when she passed away. Somebody else probably did. But uh, the Thanksgiving ones are called crab cactus, which makes perfect sense because they're little leaves look like crab claws right and um i so that when i have one it says the colors range on the our notes it says the colors range from white to pink to dark pink okay yeah i have one that's peach and it says yeah. here sometimes they will have peach or purple flowers My, well mine ha- i have one that's white one that's dark pink i have one that's peach i think that's it I have light pink and dark pink. And if you want a particular color besides pink, you're probably going to have to mail order it from someplace like Logie's Greenhouse. They've got a ton of them. Mm -hmm. Because the other thing I was going to say about them is I was watching a remake, or not a remake, but an old clip from the movie The Homecoming with the Waltons from 1971. (laughs) You were having a retro day. Yeah. So... So Mrs. Walton, who in the movie was played by Patricia Neal, yeah. the very first like scene shows her taking this Christmas cactus down from the window well in the basement. Really? And then the next scene, they're all upstairs, you know, Grandma and Grandpa and the kids, and she comes up and she's like, look what I've got. And she says it's her Christmas cactus, and she got it from her mama when she got married 17 years ago. So this would have been... This. This would have been in the early, I mean, the movie takes place in the 30s. Right, so, so it'd be in the know, aughts. In the or aughts the or teens. something. Yeah. And one of the kids pipes up and says, how does it know it's Christmas to bloom? How did so, it show up on, how did it show up in their household in the 1930s is what I want to know. because I don't, I don't know. The key thing is that in order to bloom, they react to both temperature reduction and light reduction. Yeah, And so mine just, I let them go in the sunroom, and as the days get darker or the nights get longer, it will form buds and it will bloom. And it is in full bloom right now, and I don't worry about whether or not it's blooming at Christmas time. Mine is uh, my white one that has the pink inside the stems. It is getting ready to bloom, and I actually saved that one from Walmart. I saw it in Walmart one day, and it was half dead, and a few years ago I bought it 
half dead and it's great now I mean, it's huge and so it's starting to bloom the pink ones put on buds so it's time to bring them into the living room for my bathroom they actually like bathrooms that's something we could talk about yeah they like the, the yeah the humidity but they they're a they're a cactus slash succulent and they mm-hmm. grow in those tree crooks and crannies they don't need tons of water, and so no. you can easily overwater it. So I would use a succulent cactus mix to pot it up in. Good idea. And let it dry out just ever so slightly between waterings. Yeah, don't don't keep it watered like you would, I don't know, a, tropi- a regular tropical plant because they like, I mean, in fact, you can really neg- neglect them, and you'll know they're neglected because their leaves start to shrivel a little bit. Right. But as soon as you water them, they're fine again. They're fine I, again. I think they're one of the easiest plants to grow. They're a great gift for people. And do do go ahead and rescue a few from the store if you see them because they're very inexpensive. Yeah, really cheap and super fun. And you can actually grow them from cuttings too. And they're easy to grow. So shall you talk about an Easter cactus? Now? Yeah, I was going to say, this. we put this all in the group called the holiday cactus. And the Easter cactus looks remarkably like all the others, but is in a different genus. genus. Of course it is. It is. Hattoria gartneria. I, I don't even know if I said that right. And that That's is even enough. a new name. It used to be Ripsoladiopsis gardenia, but they changed it. They because they it, go back to DNA now, and that's they how they're, they have started identifying things by DNA instead of by um, how they look or who discovered them or whatever. Yeah. So it's a little different. It looks a little different. I have never had an Easter one. Have you? I, I did have an Easter one, but it's been 20 plus years, and I finally, um, it decided to die on me, and so I haven't gotten another one. But those are the ones that show up in the spring around Easter time, so... You know, it's also worth getting. This is a plant you can chuck it outside. In fact, some of the oldest ones that people hear about, you know, like Great Aunt Mabel puts it out on the screened-in porch every every summer and, you know, then brings it back in in the fall. And so they, they don't mind being outside. Just make sure that you don't uh, put them outside where they're going to get rained on all the time. Yeah, they would not like that because they're inside trees, so it wouldn't make any sense. Did you have a Great Aunt Mabel? No, I just made that name up. I, I had a great wondering. Aunt Betty. Yes, I know. That you, I knew you had Betty. I didn't know if you had Mabel. Okay, so um, like so many plants, and, she, and you said this earlier, they don't mind being crowded in their containers. Neither do amaryllis. And so you just don't have to worry too much about them. They're a great no. plant to let stick in your bathroom if it has windows. And then when it gets, you know, this time of year, bring it out and everybody thinks you're really good at it. Exactly. One last thing we'll say before we move on to your quote. Sometimes they are sold with the very, very old name of zygocactus, which actually I prefer because it's much easier to say than all those other botanical names that I tripped over like I haven't talked at all today. Yeah, I remember when there were zygocacti. I do. Yeah. There you go. They were cool. Ready? Quote it, D. Fall has always been my favorite season, the time when everything bursts with its last beauty, as if nature had been saving up all year for the grand finale. Lawrence DiStefano. I don't know who Lauren is, but I agree, Lauren. It's my favorite, too. And the grand finale is past here. Here, I too. Think. 
Yeah, Bill and I caught the end of it, and it's pretty. It's over. We're we're to brown leaves now. I'm looking at them outside, and some of them are falling again. Okay, so now we're going to talk about a, a something that somebody asked us about, which was how to grow herbs indoors over winter. And I'll be honest, I can't remember who asked about this question, but I said here's some quick answers, and then then we'll talk about it on the podcast because it's kind of complicated. Herbs don't really like to be indoors that much. It's not their favorite They do not. (laughs) And I will define this, and I would say there are two categories of herbs to grow Mm -hmm. indoors. There are those that are easily grown from seed, and if I might say the word microgreens again, basil, dill, cilantro, if you like it, are easily grown as microgreens. And so I don't know about, did I say chives? No, I didn't say chives. No, but chives are easy to grow indoors um, because if you just separate a, out a little bit of your plant outside and bring it inside, they're, they're easy to grow indoors too, as are garlic chives. But I was I think you were thinking about basil and dill because they can both be grown easily from seed. Right. So it, you need supplemental light if you're going to grow them as a full plant instead yes. of as microgreens. But microgreens make great toppings. It's all in how you want to use them, I guess I would say. And then the other category, I would put things like mint, uh, thyme, rosemary, oregano. That's where you're not going to start those from seed. You're going to bring in a plant or you're going to buy a little plant. And then you're going to try to grow it as a house plant. And you're going to have to remember, these are from the Mediterranean, hot, Mm -hmm. dry, light. You probably... To make them really grow well, you're going to probably have to get some supplemental light. Yeah. And you know those little, ro- we've talked about these before, the little rosemary trees. Yes. That, you know, they shape like little Christmas trees. They don't love it indoors. They're so pot bound by the time you buy them. You're just buying them for fun and don't expect them to last very long. Um, I actually kept one alive for a while, but it took some work and, Do we really need another plant indoors that takes a lot of work? I don't think so. Well, having spent all of Saturday morning tending the plants that I do have indoors, I'm thinking probably not. Yeah. And I wrote a whole article. I thought I linked to it on here, but I did not. Um, I wrote a whole article on how to grow rosemary, and it has indoor instructions and outdoor instructions. And I also wrote one on basil for Family Handyman. So both of those, you know, and I think I wrote one on lavender, too. I went through. Send me the links. Send me the links. We will include them all. So one thing you need to remember about herbs is that they're almost all Mediterranean. And Mediterranean means they like heat, lots of light, poor soil, and not too much water. And so that's what you need to give them. Good luck with that. So my attitude is I think the microgreen route would be really good for um for, you know, like basil and stuff. Or you can buy one of those living basil plants at the store. Have uh-huh. you ever bought those at the I grocery have not. store? I have not. They've just sown some seed in a little, you know, six-inch pot. And it, they, they'll last a long time. So I've done that before, too. If I really need fresh basil. If I don't need so, fresh basil, I just use dried herbs in the winter. We will provide two additional links. So our friend Susan Betts did write Herbal Houseplants. She did. So this is a book about growing herbs as houseplants. And if you're very into it, that is a good resource to check out. It's a small pocket-sized book. It would be a great gift with some 
um, herbal plants. And then Botanical Interest has an article where they've rounded up a bunch of ideas for growing herbs indoors. It just came out this week. We will link to that. And now, Dee, would you like to know my microgreen growing secret that I discovered? I would love that. And then I'll tell you a source for seed. Go ahead. Another source. So the secret with growing microgreens, well, this is going to blow your mind. It blew my mind, but it works. You keep the seeds in dark until they've sprouted and their little seed leaves are yellow and crying for light and they're stretching. Then you uncover them. Within a day under lights, they will turn green, and then you will have a nice long stem so that when you cut them, oh, yeah. you're not having to get them out of the dirt. Yeah, that makes perfect sense now that you said it out loud. And they or- turned out beautiful, and I did a Family Handyman article on it, and this time, D, my pictures are included in the article cause, so people can see my beautiful microgreens, and I grew well, good for, for the you. article. I'm impressed. Um, I also found some seeds for, they said they were sprouting seeds, but they could be used for microgreens and they were all different kinds and they were actually at natural grocer, which do you have natural grocer and we do not have this before. Yeah. Sorry. They come out of Colorado and in Colorado, they do a lot of microgreen stuff. So they have a whole section over by the spices. I noticed that is very cool. Yeah, I will cool. go to my little upscale grocery and see if they have them. And, of course, our friends at Botanical Interest have tons of seeds for microgreens. Right. And then there's also a company called True Leaf Market that has a ton of seeds for microgreens. So they're everywhere, and they're becoming more and more popular. Yeah, they are. All right, I'm going to do a quote, and we're going to move on to the bookshelf. Okie Love the trees until their leaves fall off, then encourage them to try again next year. Chad <laughs> Sugg. How do you encourage was... a tree to grow leaves next year? You go out I think it'll just it. do it by itself, but you I like how it's almost it. like you're, you're patting it on its side and saying, kind you can do it again next year. Push <laughs> push on the branch a little bit and say, come on, little tree, make sure you grow for me next year. <laughs> so on know. our bookshelf this week is a wonderful children's book that I fell for, and Debbie Clem told me about it. And um, I not only fell for it, then Carol fell for it too. And it would be perfect for um, an adult or somebody who's four years old. And it's called Farmhouse, and it's by a lady named Sophie Blackall. And she's actually won several different awards, children's awards, which I can't think of what they are right now, but Carol has the book. The two-time Caldecott medalist. That's a big, big award. If you win a Caldecott medal, you are a big deal, and she's won two of them. She also has a book on a lighthouse. Um, But this particular book, Farmhouse, is the most precious thing I've seen in a long time. This lady um, found an old abandoned farmhouse in New York State, and she went inside, and they, oddly, they had left everything. Yeah, there were piles of old clothes, and there was an old organ like, yeah, in the, the corner. Yeah, the organ. Mm-hmm. And there were some other things, too. And so she took pieces of the wallpaper, and then she took out the dresses, and she and they were all handmade dresses from, like, the 20s and 30s. And there's a whole video that we're going to link to that I was in as soon as I saw those dresses. I was like, oh, I'm so going to go buy this book. It is precious. It's written in almost in verse, and it's all about the family that she imagined lived there. 
And yeah. it's just really, really beautiful. And the way she handles the end of the family line is also beautiful. And it's not, it's not negative at all. It's really lovely. And so I don't want to give anything away. I don't want to give anything away, but I do love it. I enjoyed looking through it and reading it. And there's a section at the end for adults that explains the whole deal about how the farmhouse was on her property. And so I think this one is going, I think I know a four-year-old, my great niece. I think she's four or five. It'd be perfect for that age group. I just got decided that it is her Christmas present. I think that's a beautiful Christmas present. Um, Maddie's still too young for it, but I think she will love it. And Maddie's mother, my daughter, loved it. She read the whole thing, and she was like, this is a precious story. Because this lady takes, and this isn't really giving anything away, but it's part of what sold me on buying the book. She took those pieces of wallpaper and the dresses and different things, and she used them to create, it's almost like a dollhouse, and then she drew all of these things. I don't know how to describe it. It it was beautiful and very it period. Is, yes, you know, it period, is beautiful. And it is my great niece's Christmas present. What a nice thing to give her. Do you want yes. me to do the next quote? Yes, please. Well, once more time, that's Farmhouse by Sophie Blackall. Yeah, she it's it's beautiful. And if you come, if you get our Substack newsletter and you should, um, we will have a link to that video on YouTube, and it, it just is deeply touching. Um, okay, so here's the quote. Don't you love New York in the fall? It makes me want to buy school supplies. I would send you a bouquet of newly sharpened pencils if I knew your name and address. That's Nora Ephron, who was one of the best playwrights ever. And so I love, one of the reasons I chose that is because I'm going to New York next month, so I'm excited. Very nice. And so our dirt is sponsored by you. You gave me this information. I -hmm. read this whole article. It's fascinating. It's from The Guardian, and it's about how being outside in bad weather is good for you, which was, you were outside yesterday. Was it bad weather? Um, No. Actually, it was like the perfect fall day. You know what I mean? It was nice and chilly, and it was great for stacking wood. I had on a sweatshirt and gloves, and leather gloves, and I was working hard. Um, and I still worked up a sweat. But yes, this is also about how walking in the rain might be good for you because um, it, it, it spurs your immune system and emotionally it's good for you. And a lot of the theme, I would say, of all of our fall episodes we've had lately is about how we have human beings have a connection to the earth. That's true. She also mm-hmm. has, the, also, I don't know if it's a man or a woman that wrote this, but I think a they woman also did. talked about how it's good for your back to walk backwards for 10 minutes. Have you ever tried to walk backwards for 10 minutes, Dee? I've never tried it for 10 minutes. Apparently, it's the craze in Japan. Um, I can't, I don't know how all the people in Japan are walking backwards because um, it's crowded. So that would be hard. But um, yeah, it's hard. But they say it's really also good for your balance and for your knees. For your because, balance, your knees, and your back. And so mm-hmm. I tried it. For a little bit. And it's like, that's that's going to take a little bit of practice. But you know mm-hmm. what else the Japanese did or gave us what? the idea for? Forest bathing. Well, I love forest. I love the idea of forest bathing. So I think so. that is walking cool. in the woods. And they have done actual mm-hmm. medical studies and measured different um, 
components of your blood and also blood pressure and stuff and have shown that there is a health benefit to walking in nature, walking in the forest, Mm -hmm. which is also what she's saying. And since this was written for The Guardian, it was written for England, and they're big walkers in England, but... You know, people tend to cozy up when it's 39 degrees outside, but they're all saying we should go out and walk some. So um, I will say this. It is hard to walk outside when it's 39 degrees, and I've started back to yoga, and I'm actually doing a type for arthritis. And it works on your connective tissue, and it does seem to help with arthritis pain. And um, I'm also going to go back to Zumba this winter, they have it at the Y, and so that'll help me stay strong and not be bored. Because it's easy to get bored with exercise in the winter. It's so easy to garden or walk in the summer. Well, not in the middle of summer, but spring and fall. Yes. And so finding activities, and I, I like to walk outside, and so I'll probably continue to walk outside because... I will too. Two things. There's no bad weather, just bad clothing choices, right? Right. That's that thousand hours outside. That's what. And that's a quote. That from was her. the next thing we've talked about: thousand mm-hmm. hours outside. But if you look at the statistics and the amount of time that children, especially, spend outdoors in the winter, is just it's measured in minutes. Right, because it's they don't horrible. have recess like we had recess when we were kids in school. It's changed oh, yeah. now. Unless I will it was say that my granddaughter, we had recess. Oh, yeah, we did too. It was just like, and if you didn't have a coat, you better get one out of the lost and found because you were going to go outside whether you wanted to or not. Um, my granddaughter goes outside every day. Her mom takes her. So good for her. That's good for her. All right, I'm going to do the next quote before our rabbit holes. This is going It was fast. November. It is going fast. We'll have to slow down. It was November, the month of crimson sunsets, parting birds, deep, sad hymns of the sea, passionate wind songs in the pines, and roamed through the pineland alleys in the park. And as she said, let the great sweeping wind blow the fogs out of her soul. Lucy Maud Montgomery. That was long, and I hadn't read it before, D. I'm sorry, that one was kind of hard. But, I, you know, we probably should have put that right before the um, part about walking because she was saying the great sweeping wind blow the yes. frogs out of her soul. But that's okay. People get it. Well, All that's right, rabbit another benefit holes. of walking. It clears your mind. It does, and it makes you in a better mood. So do you want to talk about it first? Sure. Or me too. Tell me I about your rabbit first. Holes. So my rabbit holes, I have another lost lady of garden writing for everybody. Her name is Lizzie Page. Hill House. Okay. Born in either 1855 or 1860, I have determined that Lizzie lied to the census people in 1900 and gave her birth year as five years later than it actually was because her husband was born, uh, she was two years older than her husband. And apparently that was just, uh, you don't, you don't want to be older than your husband. No, apparently so, not, or taller. It was kind she of a was, silly time. She was a bit elusive <laughs> to find. There's no grave site for her that I can find on Find a Grave. But interestingly enough, her husband, whose name is not that usual, Mansfield Hill, Hill House, has two grave sites marked in anyway. Yeah, that's weird. But she wrote a book called House Plants and How to Succeed with Them in 1897. Mm-hmm. Isn't this one of the books that Ellen Zako sent you? Yes, she sent me a whole box of them. That was really nice and of I her. And I think this one, she sent me an email. Her grandmother had owned it, 
had been given to her grandmother. Oh, that's sweet. So I wrote a blog post about it. You'll have to go read it. But she starts out the book saying, having a passionate love of nature in all its phases, everything that grows, no matter how humble, has an attraction for me. She's, she's a plant addict like the rest of us. Yes, yes, she is. And then she laments about how she tries to coax, coax plants to grow inside. And this is 1897. So it's not right. like you could just go to the, to the garden center and buy you up a bunch of house plants. She had to sort of figure things out. Yeah. Um, but she said a lot of them would die, but she was going to teach everybody what she had learned about that. And that is what the book is about. And that is Lizzie Page Hill's house. Now, she did not live long, Dee. She, hmm. she was either, she died in 1902. So mm-hmm. she was either 42 or 47, depending on which birth year you go with. So that's mm-hmm. not very long. Do you know what she died of? No. 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 Yeah. Now, I'll give a tease. There's another lost lady of garden writing that I had researched, oh, I don't know, eight or nine years ago. And I got to researching her again, and I do know how she died, and it was horrific. And I'll have to do a blog post on oh, it. dear. I'm sorry to have laughed just then, like, oh, it, was, it was horrific, D. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> I don't think you meant it like that. I mean, no. I think you meant like, whew, it was horrific. But anyway, I'm back down in the rabbit hole of lost ladies of garden writing, and I bring forward Lizzie Page Hillhouse. That's a really good, um, that's a good winter rabbit hole, I think. It is. I'll be down in there a bunch. So I, I don't know if I'll have one next week, but I sure might. But you had a nice rabbit hole. I did. We went, we did get to go to Talamina Drive. And it is the drive, it's a scenic drive that goes from Tallahena, Oklahoma to Mena, Arkansas. And the word Tallahena, which is this town in southern Oklahoma, southeast Oklahoma, is a contraction of two different Choctaw words that mean Iron Road. And then cool. I did some research on it because, I i mean, I felt so dumb yesterday because one of my friends was like, I can't believe you didn't know it was that Talamina was the two words together. And I was like, well, no, I didn't because I didn't know where the drive went. I had never been there. I just always heard about it. So the drive was created in 1969, and originally it was called Oklahoma State Highway 1, and it linked two truck routes that were constructed by the CCC, the Civilian Conservation Corps, in the 30s. And then they changed the name in 1989 to the Talamina Scenic Byway, which I have a funny story about that. Bill and I drove with our little baby kids down there because I was determined to see the fall foliage. We lasted for about five minutes on the drive because it's about three and a half hours from my house, three and a half to four. That's a long way. Yeah, that's a long way with little kids in the car. So anyway, it's a 54-mile route. It's worth going to. And... um. It was just really fun, but I think if I did it again, I would. Um, it's oh, and the other the reason it's so well known is it's both. It's got these winding stair mountains, and the way the mountains are set up, there's a bunch of um, pine trees there, a short leafed pine tree, and then there's also all these hardwoods. So it's the green against the reds, purples, and golds. It's really beautiful, and um, if you want to know when the leaves are at their best. I would say call someone in Mena, Arkansas. Call one of the places like the place we ate, which was the art, let's see, the artist's artisan, um, I think American artisan, uh, cafe, which had these great sandwiches and this great tomato soup. Um, but you don't want to make that long drive and miss the leaves. So 
Right. We didn't miss the leaves. They also have a great big um, fall festival every year, and that's a good time for the leaves, but it's also when everybody's there. One of the things we were glad of, there was nobody there. So we had a great drive, and they told us that we had just looked out because sometimes the mountains are in fog, Oh, and they'd been in fog all week. And so anyway, it was clear. It was wonderful. So next year, my hope is... Oh, I would stay overnight. That's the other thing I was going to say. I would stay overnight at the Queen Wilhelmina Lodge because it's in the middle of that drive in Arkansas. And um, that would be a good place to stay. And then, But you probably want to make tickets now and try to guess when the leaves are good. So good luck with that. Yeah. It's usually the first week of November. Um, I'm hoping to talk him into going to Beaver's Bend next year. It's even further south. And uh, stay in a cabin, because Beaver's Bend has cabins. But we'll just see, you know. It was just a wonderful nature time, and he was kind of crabby about going. And then we got there, and he was like, okay, this is more fun than I thought it'd be, and it was really fun. Cool. I like that. There are probably other scenic drives all around the country, and if any of our listeners say, hey, we have a great scenic drive, we'd love to hear about it. We would. Um, I think there are like five in Oklahoma, so that's kind of a cool, cool. thing. I bet there are a bunch in Indiana, too. You should go look. I, I should go look. But <laughs> in the meantime, what are you doing in your garden next week, Dee? Or do you want me to tell you what I'm doing next week? Well, I think since I just jabbered, it's your turn. So I am going to obviously tend my microgreens. Every day I look at them and miss them and check out my blue African blue basil seedlings, I'm nurturing those along. Mm -hmm. And weather permitting, I think I might try to pick up some more leaves. But I looked at the forecast, and I think there's more snow coming. So I do want to pick up leaves one more time because I like to mow the grass one notch lower going into winter, and I still need to do that. And then when I was cleaning up the sunroom, I don't know how this happens, Dee. I have more packets of seeds, even though I sorted them all like two years ago. How does, how does a, you don't know how this happened. How does this happen that <laughs> really? I have so many packets of seeds? So I got to sort them again. And then I think I might try to get my, at least my tomato seeds ordered. And I did uh, sit there um, yesterday afternoon, I think it was. And I took all the bean seeds out of the dried bean pods because I re- remember I harvested my provider bean seeds. I do remember that because you're going to try to see if you can get your and own. And so I've got crop. a big box of those, more seeds than I could possibly need. Wow. Okay. And then you're also going to shout out to your sister. Yeah, my youngest sister, she hasn't got her bulbs planted. And she had reserved Saturday morning when we got like, I don't know, an inch and a half to two inches of snow. So I mm-hmm. think I'm going to shout out to her and every other gardener in Indiana. Yes, we had a big snow but if you have bulbs, the ground isn't frozen. You just have to go out right. there now and put on your warm clothes and go ahead and dig and, and get those bulbs in the ground. It's it's time. Do it. Do it. So it's about time to do it here, too. Um, I would say I'm going to do mine next week. I always do mine around the week of Thanksgiving or right after that. Um, it, by then, it's cold enough. Um, our ground never freezes like y'all. Y'all. I mean, we don't ever get that hard. But there comes a time in bulb season where they don't have a long enough cold period before spring starts. So you've got to you've got to find that sweet spot. And right now I'm getting a lot of questions about that. And I just keep saying, no, you can still plant them. Do it next week or the first week of December. Right in there. But don't wait any longer after that because then you run out of time. Um, okay, at my house, let's see. 
I need to still plant my bulbs, which I didn't write about, but I will do that. And I need to, I really want another couple of amaryllis bulbs. I have planted two this year, and then I put all the other ones in a cabinet in my garage this dark. It's about time to take them out and see if they work, because I don't know if they'll work or not. And then, because sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. And then I was going to tell everybody that Lowe's, I saw, had the wax ones. Remember the wax ones that we've talked about before? These are really pretty because they finally figured out that if you want the wax to stay on the bulbs, you need to protect the bulbs somewhat so they're in these plastic tubes. Yes. You can take them out, right? So now the wax doesn't chip off anymore. And they look really good. And that's an easy way to have easy color. And I think that would be a great present for somebody living in a nursing home or assisted living because they don't have to do anything. No watering, no lifting. They can just enjoy the bulb flower. And I, I get those um, wax ones, and I actually did get them at Lowe's last year for my great nieces and nephews. But I like to dot. Right. I like to run in there like two days before Christmas because I want to get them with the tip very barely showing, so that they can see the growth on them. I don't want to get them and then have them sit here and almost ready to flower by the time they're ready to give us a gift. So I buy them right before Christmas. So here they're already starting to grow. They're, they're starting weird? to grow, and I'm just hoping that they just get I mean, more some shipments. Some of them are big. Oh, yeah. 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 Do you think they get more shipments and the later shipments bloom later? Uh, you know, know, I don't know. I just kind of look and, like, hope that there's some that are just barely showing, and usually I, I need four or five. Ooh, I forgot about the new one. Ooh. Yeah, you got more kids. Yeah, now. that new one okay, in so, New Orleans. I'm going to figure out how to ship one down there. Or maybe I'll just, I don't know. Like, you could just order it's one. It's complicated now. <laughs> it's complicated to be a great aunt of so many wonderful great nieces and it nephews. It is. It is. So is that mm-hmm. it? Is that all you're going to do? It seems like a little let up down after all that wood pack piling. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> well, I, I mean, you know, next week is Thanksgiving. <laughs> well, we're talking about this week, not not next week. This week. I mean, but, oh, well, it's the week before Thanksgiving. (laughs) Okay, well, that pretty much wraps everything up then. We want to thank you for listening to Garden Angelus. I hope you've hit that subscribe button so you don't miss a single episode. We publish every week on Wednesdays at 12 a.m. Eastern Time. If you listen to Apple Podcasts, we'd love a five-star review that helps us get noticed by others, which some people have been leaving some really nice reviews. Thank you. Could you also share our podcast with your friends? Word of mouth is still the best way to get the word out there. And be sure and check out our show notes for links for more information about today's topics, plus links to our own websites. And be sure to subscribe to our Substack newsletter. That is hard to say. Um, the Garden Angelists at Substack.com, which is linked to in our show notes on Buzzsprout. And if you want to help support us, use those affiliate links. If you buy something after clicking through on them, we are a small commission and it costs you nothing. It was lovely to chat with all of you over the Garden Gate. Bye until next week. Bye, everybody.